0: Mixed Media Gaming. Welcome back to the uh, Mixed Media Podcast. Uh, we are at the third segment, the gaming segment. We went over just now arguing with Reddit, for the movie segment. And uh, the first segment we did was a, uh, a uh, song. That's what it's called. Song review <laughs> uh, by Ben. Go back. Uh, if you're not watching the live version, go back, watch the recorded version. it have been uploaded already right now doing the gaming segment. My topic will be on uh, Steam Profit and sort of where I'm at with that uh, at the moment because three weeks ago is when I started. It's supposed to last four weeks, but I'm cutting it off a bit early and I'll explain why there are some concerns and uh, some unexpected things that have happened. Uh, excuse me if this is a bit of a messy topic. I have like a bajillion tabs open of like a billion things to like reference uh, many different windows. I have an Excel sheet. I have uh, Visual Studio Code. I have uh, a Notepad file. You know, I have a browser with a bunch of tabs. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. So I'll go over again briefly, very briefly, the idea of Steam Profit is to. Uh, Choose a portfolio of five games that you that are releasing in a given week that you believe will do the best. Uh, only only sort of um, only certain strings attached are that uh, they have to be indie games and for some reason they cannot be VR games. I don't get that one still, but whatever. <laughs> I don't think I actually I uh, it by not VR game anyways. So um, what will be important is that the score you get is you uh, for for each individual game it is the number of players times the lowest price the game has ever been giving you a essentially bottom end estimate of how much the game could have made it, a pessimistic estimate pretty much and we're we're judging these games you know we're, we're talking about them purely in terms of how much they made in terms of money which doesn't necessarily make it a good game or bad game, obviously it doesn't even make it like a good a good financial decision even if it went you know well monetarily because well you know maybe you've ruined your record with a game or whatever you know so uh there's a lot more that goes into it but um this is just sort of more about uh, predicting consumer trends and what they will buy and what they won't buy, So like that. Okay, so I, as, I, uh, as I was saying before, I created a bot to go around and uh, give me a bunch of data on things. So I created a bot to calculate the Steam profit scores for me of every single game that I scraped off of Steam uh, that uh, of the ends that are releasing, uh, it was the week of, let's see, February 30th to February 6th. I don't believe that, like, it's like, a, uh, I, don't think, I don't think that's like a standard week where it starts on Sunday, you know, ends on Saturday. Uh, I think I was just like, whenever I <laughs> decided to do it, you know, I, th- I picked from that day, I think it was the 6th, or sorry, the 30th, and I went to the 6th. Um, so, yeah, what I found was interesting is, Uh, I went to the original article that had the instructions, uh, you know, it says that the score is to be the players times the lowest price, the lowest price was easy enough to find. There are actually a few websites that will tell you the lowest, they'll they'll track the price of a game. They'll tell you the lowest price the game will ever be one of them is called steam price history. Uh, the other one, which I don't actually use steam price history because it does not, um, very, uh, very luckily it's, it's web crawler friendly, but it does not have. A uh, comprehensive database of games. Uh, it only has more popular games. What do I use? I use uh, ah here. I use something called Exophase, which has, as far as I can tell, literally every game on Steam, which is very nice, um, even even these new ones. Um, that is a bit less crawler friendly, but they still allow crawlers on it. So I found my way <laughs> to to do it, and uh, I get the uh, lowest price ever from there. I believe ExaPhase has a bunch of different metrics stuff. stuff. Uh, I think they do a lot of I don't know, achievements or are, are, uh, are play play tracker. I'm not really sure what they do in general, but they have the lowest price and I used it. So uh, that was okay. The weird metric was the players. So what did he mean by players in the article? He referenced Steam Spy, the website Steam Spy, and he says that he got the player metric from Steam Spy. Now, if you go to Steam Spy, uh, Steam Spy actually has a nice API, um, which is a... Uh, interface you can use when you're programming something, uh, essentially a nice way to interact with whatever you're trying to interact with, right? Uh, so in this case SteamSpy. SteamSpy has an API and their API does not say anything about players metric. It has there's a concurrent users metric, which I guess will be the players at this very moment, but that is not very that's not very uh it's not a very accurate uh, measurement because the players are gonna just vary based on, for example, time, right? So at night in US East, for example, pretty much all games that have English localization are going to receive a dip in players and during like, I don't know, whatever prime time, prime gaming times are. So sometimes during the day, they'll be at their peak. So I think concurrent users could not be what he meant, but there's no other player's data metric. And I figure that they actually removed it. So my guess is that there was a player's metric that meant something. And then Steam Spy said, well, uh, it's not very accurate because they have a, uh, they say that all their numbers are 98% accurate, so it'll be right at 98% of the time. Uh, I think they take that fairly seriously. So I guess they just said, "Is this number too too inaccurate? Uh, we won't have it anymore." That's my guess. I don't actually know. I actually contacted the um, the guy who uh, who made Steam Profit, um, and I was like, "Yo, what did you use like for for uh, for for your players metric?" I messaged him that say yesterday or two days ago. I think it was yesterday. He has not responded. So the thing is, I know he's seen my message. So he will not respond. That's my <laughs> understanding. I uh, know you've seen your message. Said, but, so the only way I know to contact him is that he has a Twitter, right? So I have a Twitter that I never post on. I follow literally him and one other person. I only follow him out of courtesy because like, okay, if I'm going to message him, I should probably follow up first. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. Uh, I messaged him there. I messaged him two messages because uh, I messed up the first one. <laughs> with a mad typo uh and then, and then i responded again the second time with another typo i was like all right i think he's got the i think it's the point it's good enough <laughs> uh now i don't know if there are read receipts on twitter i don't know if you can see if something's marked as red but i do know he has tweeted multiple times since i sent that message so <laughs> yeah i mean he is a person with a few thousand followers so you know maybe it's a thing where he might get a lot of messages Either he doesn't go through them because it's just too many, or he goes through them, but it takes time. So maybe I'm just going to, you know, uh, one day I'll get my answer uh, respond to, or not. I don't really know. But yeah, I didn't get in time for this episode, so I had to go off something else. So there actually is a player's metric on a website I mentioned before called PlayTracker, I think .net, and they track average players. I don't know what that means. Uh, presumably, they, they literally just take the player at every, I don't know, say, hour or something like that, whatever their sample size is uh, or sample interval is, and then uh, divided by how many of those samples there are, and then they use the average players. They also have another metric that's the concurrent players, which is, you know as I said before, not, not, not useful. So I decided to use the average player metric. Okay. When I ran the program, every single game came out with a score of zero. Zero, zero steam point steam profit points now how is this possible given that well you, theoretically you know at least one person has to play something which would bring the average players up to like 0. 0.1 right <laughs> uh and then uh, you know at least something would have a score of like 0. 0.2 because if the game's like two dollars you know multiply by two whatever the thing is that website seems to have you know a bit of a margin of error itself so uh, presumably if it's like below a certain threshold it just says zero no matter what right it's just like yeah basically uh, no players, <laughs> and we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, put a number here. So everything was set to zero. So every game was so not popular that the website did not bother to put a number, a proper number, up. Right now, so okay, I had to go to something else to figure. Okay, what other metric could I possibly use that is actually more? Uh, I believe, yeah, accurate uh, is the word, or precise, accurate, precise, precise.
1: I, think precise I don't is the remember word. my statistics terms, man.
0: <laughs> I think <laughs> I think accuracy is. The percent of times you actually get it right, precision is the wideness of the range, I think. So for example, if I said like, uh, with like a 50% uh, as 50% chance that the target is between one and two very precise, very, uh, very little accuracy, or I said, there's a hundred percent chance this number is between zero and a thousand, uh, low precision, high accuracy, I think, hopefully I didn't get that wrong, but I'm going to say, I'm going to keep, I'm going to use that, (laughs) that definition. So. I need something with a bit more precision that wouldn't do like odd round off things where it just goes to, goes to zero. Uh, so I use I went back to Steam Spy again, and they have a different metric, That metric called owners. Now, the Steam Profit guy specifically said he did not use this metric for a reason. It's because it is more gameable than uh, the player's metric. Because owners includes things that you know, people who get the game for free, like review copies and stuff like that, and apparently it's, uh, uh, I guess, you know, it's pretty easy to inflate it, inflate that number yourself, given that you can give out, you know, as many free Steam Keys as you want, as far as I'm aware. So you can inflate the, you know, people when they said they want to buy your game, you just give out a free Steam key and now you have a new owner, right? So how many people are actually gonna do that to increase the owner counts for people who happen to be looking at a at Steam Spy, you know. For data analysis, I don't think you know the average consumer does do that. Doesn't go, oh, well, there are a lot of owners for this game, so let me <laughs> let me also buy this game. Well, <laughs> uh, likely to look at reviews, for example, but I decided owners is the best thing I have, and so uh, I decided to use owners. Um, the problem is the owners metric on Steam Spy is absolutely horribly inaccurate. That is the word, yes, inaccurate. So some of these games that the range of player or owners was between zero and twenty thousand that is not useful <laughs> that is not useful I mean the steam profit way is to always use the lower end so it'd be zero for everything everything is a, has a score of zero well okay or back back to square one right um even then I don't now trust that because like certain things you can just go to the go to the steam page you see it has like seven reviews so why would steam spy say that the minimum is zero you think that's just something because steam spy does show the reviews the number of reviews you think that it would just make the lower bound. At least the number of reviews for the owners. Considering you know, unless it includes returns, you have to own it to review it. I think Steam also tells you if a reviewer returned the game, so, so you'd be able to calculate no matter what the bare minimum. But I figure it's not worth Steam's time to you know go into like making sure that games that have you know twenty owners don't say zero. You know, it's like I uh, guess it's not that important for them, right? Fair enough. Okay, so I need another metric to use. And uh I mentioned it before just now. I used reviews. I used the number of reviews a game gets. This is really bad i mean it's the best I got, I think, but it's not good because certain games are more likely to get reviews. I think that's you know the same across movies and and um uh, and uh songs. Wow, my brain really just can't uh <laughs> comprehend that word <laughs> apparently, but uh yeah, same across movies and songs where uh certain certain pieces of art will evoke like just a very passionate response it doesn't have to be like i really love it i really hate it just just maybe just a lot of people who really want to say it <laughs> at least you know uh and i think this tends to happen with negative reviews specifically people tend to be like if a game is really bad they'll be like i'll oh, make a uh, an angry review whereas if it's satisfactory they're like no i'm just satisfied this is what i expected i'm not going to make a review i don't feel any special type of way about this right so but still, you know, it's better than owners. It's better than players. Or concurrent or average, whatever. So this is what I ended up using. Now, let us get into how well I did based on this. So I did. I don't. I don't have a reference, so I don't really know how well I did. I so uh, also one thing is when I looked at my Excel sheet, I highlighted all the games I wanted to choose in green. I only had four games highlighted. I don't know what happened to the fifth one. I don't remember if I just didn't have a fifth one. Like I didn't say anything about a fifth one. I looked at the list. I could not recall. Uh, what the fifth one would be, so we're rocking with four. Portfolio <laughs> <Four> <laughs> right now. <laughs> and uh, actually, one of mine did pretty well. It actually got the fourth most fourth most Steam profit points of any game releasing within that week. That game was called Quest of Grail. Um, Quest of Grail was a game that I mentioned before that is a sort of um, four multiplayer, sort of 2D platformer race thing. It has a video trailer. It looks very nice. It has a publisher that is that is has done things before as local multiplayer you know it's got it's got the features right <laughs> has um things that would be indicative of at least a decent game and as i said before the you know the bar for me putting your game on my list was not high given the competition so uh yeah <laughs> i put it on thinking that yeah this looks like it's only a decent. it released february 4th so it is february 6th was the end january 30th was the start Okay, yeah, that's why it was released February 4th and uh, I counted, okay. There ended up being a total of 14 reviews. Uh, eight of those people bothered to actually write words, like uh, you know, word reviews, and all of them were positive reviews. So I also had my seam scraper also check for you know, how many positives, how many negatives, and I have that in a nice table. Yeah, Quest Grail, it's, yeah, yeah, it's fourth, yeah, fourth. Uh, the amount of points it gets is 125.86. So uh, I'd use reviews times the lowest price ever. So its price currently is $10. Now, I'm dumb, and I did not put the lowest price on the table, so I can't actually reference that. I don't know if it dipped, but currently it's $10. I'm, I'm assuming in the, in the short time span, it did not dip in price, but there were games that did that, so that could be a poor assumption. But 10, uh, 14 reviews, well, that would come up to like a, what, a little less than 140, 125, so maybe the price did dip like slightly uh, for whatever reason. But um, 14 positive reviews, no negative reviews, pretty good. Okay. That was the only game that I chose that appeared in the top five. Uh, the next closest one was, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And that was Kiospoli, which was like a Monopoly clone thing. I don't remember what, the, I don't remember what the, the the gimmick is. not. That's not exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe the gimmick to it was, I can't remember. But it was very much like Monopoly. That, you can see the score dropped off quite, uh, quite a lot though. It got half of Quest of Grail at 67.84. That had 14 positive reviews, two negative reviews. So it actually had more reviews, so more more minimum owners, I guess, but it was it was priced at uh, significantly less. Um, so that is a uh, that is what cost it to a low score. And you know, the fact that it had two negative views does not not bode well. I mean, that's not that's not horrible as far as I'm aware. It's not a horrible ratio for a small game, but uh, certainly not great. Uh, but uh, yeah. So what were the top five or the things that I was should have gotten but I missed? So number one was a game called. Actually, I'll, I'll go from the. Yeah, I will wrong. Number one was a game called the Healed Walled Loophole. Now, might be saying I don't recall you talking about the game because uh, I did not. Cause if you recall, I only looked at like half of the games that were releasing that week because I got very demotivated <laughs> after looking at so many bad games but I said there's no way anything else. Uh, there's anything else interesting? I was wrong. It's funny actually looking at my uh, at my list. It was one away. It was, it was literally one away from me, actually uh, looking at it. But I uh, I stopped. I stopped right before it. So and this kind of goes to show that like the order of the tre- of like the the anticipated upcoming releases tab on Steam is not in any good order. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> at least it's not indicative of sales. That is. But this game got a total of uh 43 reviews. It seems. Um, sorry, 45, 43. I had actual words. Two of them didn't have have or it's just simply recommended they were all positive reviews by the way so that's very good 45 positive reviews that is I consider considered quite the success in a week uh it's created by a developer called named i'm gonna butcher this but jan Malitschek. maybe this person's german because uh, the gameplay takes the game takes place in germany actually the game has no german localization never mind no has english localization. it's probably not german <laughs> um it is a psychological horror uh as a Compelling trailer. So I looked up to see. Okay, was there any marketing done about this game? So I just looked at the game, the name on uh, on search engine. And what's interesting is when you type it, it actually auto completes. I don't think there's any other game that ever auto completed when I was typing it into the search engine. Uh, so that was a good sign. The uh, first, the first video, the first thing that search result that comes up is a YouTube video link, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, I'll post it in the Discord. Um, but the title of the video is, quote. Ripped shirtless, uh, ripped shirtless Michael from Vsauce here. That is that is the title <laughs> of the video <laughs> and the thumbnail. I'll, I'll post the image so uh, so that uh, it makes more sense. But uh, the thumbnail is well, a ripped man who I guess looks like Vsauce Michael. The only you know sameness i can see i'm gonna post it in stream chat by the way i mean i don't know this, i don't think this is gonna like show up you know in like youtube chat but on discord if you join on discord you'll see it so uh yeah but you know it, it's 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 a guy right who's ripped but the only association he has with Vsauce michael is that he is bald and he has a beard i do not see anything else <laughs> but i feel like if you look at the r style it's so pixelated that you know not that there's so little detail that yeah, you can see that. Oh yeah, that's Vsauce Michael. You know, like a pass off. If, if they told me in the game and said that is Vsauce Michael, I can be like, okay, I see it. You know, <laughs> because uh, there's not much detail to go off of. But that was the first. That was the first video. That's two point six K views. The second thing down actually uh, has twenty five thousand views. The next thing eighteen thousand views. Next thing two point three thousand views. So it's actually all these these four videos are from two content creators. One called Neko, the Sorgal, another one called CJU Games. Uh, CJU Games is the one that pulled in the 25K and the 18K. So clearly, they got some traction. This game was actually put on itch.io, but I believe this was put uh, launched at the same time, so it wasn't like itch.io caused it. So I don't think like, you know, it's not like, a, some games will launch on itch first, with like a demo, for example. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, big traction from itch.io and then you know that that caused you know sort of hype from the steam release now it's worth noting that this guy actually made more money because there were actually a good bit of reviews on itch.io but steam profit only as the name suggests takes into account steam but uh one day as my podcast more advanced maybe i'll take into account things like itch.io but i think there's it's a lot less easy to get data on games from itch.io which is uh, the issue <laughs> okay i'm wrong because uh All I did was scroll down a little bit more and see there was a demo on itch.io, just a different page. Uh, And that worked because the second comment is release the full game, please, in all caps. So apparently people really, really enjoyed it. But yeah, this is something I have to look into more and see like what kind of Marketing was done. How did it gain traction? Like, what's the story behind this game? You know, uh, maybe we can talk to the developer. That'd be interesting if I could reach out to him and uh, figure this out. Because you know, it's a pretty big feat to be the most successful indie game uh, in a week. That's pretty cool. Um, i want like to know about you know this process. Yeah, clearly he's doing something right. You know, <laughs> I'd like to know uh, how he's doing things. So uh, yeah, that that was the number one number one thing on Steam Profit thing. Second thing was a game called Dungeon Wizards. Another game I did not look at was in the second half. This game caught me by surprise. I looked at the Steam page because it is something that doesn't, you know, strike me as something to be popular. It is literally a match three game, but just not um, the not Candy Crush, you know? Now, not literally. It looks like it's a bit more a bit more interesting, actually, than <laughs> Candy Crush. Um technically you don't have to match three. The description says match three, but it is just a match X game. You can match more than three. It works in a slightly different way. You know, it's thematically. As the name, as the title says, Dungeon Wizards, you know, theme is wizardry, I guess. Um, But uh, overall, not like anything like, oh, such an innovative new concept or whatever, you know, this, as far as I can tell, doesn't really have much of an internet presence. When you look it up, you don't really get much, also much. Uh, But this reminds me of a GDC talk that I once watched. I forget who was speaking. I forget what he was saying. (laughs) But I do remember one thing that struck me as wild. The guy made a living. Off of making match three games over and over and over and over again. Him and his wife, that's what they did. They just made a bunch of them. So if you don't know what like, a match three game is, it's Candy Crush or Bejeweled. Uh it's that kind of that kind of game. So they just ticked the formula. Like they like, I believe he added, you know, added like random like little mechanics to each variation essentially. Uh I think there were th- all a lot of them are thematic in like this is a Halloween match three, and I'm gonna release it like around Halloween, <laughs> you know, Christmas match three, that kind of thing, or at least around Christmas, that sort of thing. And he made a living off of it. And that really opened my eyes to like, okay, you don't have to like, you don't have like, you don't have to go big and like go crazy, right? Uh, on a game and like, you don't have to be like, like uh, um, you don't have to be that among us. Like, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to be like, <laughs> you made a game and it went viral kind of thing. You just need to be good enough. And if you can do that consistently, then make yourself a living. Now, the way he's speaking about it, it doesn't seem like he's making a great living to be clear. I wasn't like, you know, he was living comfortably necessarily it seems like he pretty much had to you know at least i think he, he described some some struggle at least during the early parts of you know this sort of business he was doing where he had to make sure every single release actually succeeded or else he'd be some problems if if uh if they didn't succeed, to this was his only job at the time or i presumably still is i think so he just, he just only had that to go based off i think he's uh, doing you know better now but once again, not necessarily living live the life like like a, like an Among Us dev, let's say, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, so that's what this reminded me of. It's just like, this guy got second place the week just by making a match three with an interesting... Maybe this is the same guy. I actually don't know. What if this is the same exact guy <laughs> from the GDC talk? Uh, the developer is uh, Tuppy Turtle Studios. Let's see if they have other games under their belts that are also match threes. Uh, no, it's the first game on Steam. Okay, so it's not the same guy. <laughs> Probably. Oh, my bad, I missed one. That was third. That was third. I missed one. Um, as I said before, I'm a bit scattered in terms of all the data I have here. It's not presented in a nice way. The second thing is actually a game called Roma Invicta. So uh, Roma Invicta is Latin for invincible Rome. Uh, it was printed on Roman coins uh, as like a motto, I guess, Roma Invicta. So this game got a total of, how many reviews? 44, I believe, uh, 39 of which left actual words just verify that. sorry uh 40 oh yeah 44 39 positive five negative you can see by these like differences in ratios in positive and positive negatives you can see like certain games probably attract more reviews and like like it doesn't scale linearly and it's probably like not necessarily because the quality of the game of the games are like that different you know and it just might be that you're more likely to say oh this game's bad this seems good for certain types of games which you know kind of know. <laughs> For, for the use for the purpose of this the game sort of reminds me of like a napoleon total war type thing it's entirely 2d uh, uh top down um and it seems to focus at least based on the trailer more on the strategic side of things the large scale whereas napoleon not napoleon necessarily just total war in general is more of a uh, has more of a focus on the tactical side the small scale side, side of things like the individual battles um whereas this game seems to take to have more of a uh uh, focus on large-scale movements of troops and stuff like that. And I'm not actually sure if you can control your troops within battle, or it's all AI like played out. I from the trailer, I don't see any sort of like micromanaging troops and stuff like that. It seems like it only going to affect things in the large scale. But uh, I don't know. I could be wrong. But if the trailer, if, if you can do that, uh, the trailer does not affect uh, to show that, as far as I'm aware. But it looks like a, a cool little like game thing. It's only six dollars, so uh, that's that I thought was interesting is. Oh, GDC talk, from essentially I cannot remember whose name is, who he is, but I remember what he said, that games that sell, I believe, under $15, tend to essentially make almost nothing in the long run. So, it's very possible that for the first week, this is pretty much all they'll ever make, and they'll never make anything else, or, you know, they'll make a little bit later, but they'll have that sort of, you know, that tail that you'll see in every other GDC, GDC talk, I feel like, about uh, the economics of video games, where there's a big peak where people bought the game, and then, you know, it tails off, and then people stop, you know, like an exponential decay uh, graph, essentially. People, uh, less and less buys per day. And, well, that's more of an old-school trend. I mean, nowadays it, it tends to be a bit more convoluted than that. But for games as simple as this, it might actually just be as simple as just, like, exponential decay very quickly uh you know you get you get these 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 39 or these 44 views and then you end up getting like four reviews over the next two years kind of thing you know um maybe not that bad but at least the data seem to suggest that games that sell for under 15 dollars they don't really do that that well uh, after release now this you know brings the question of what is causing it is it the price causing is it the price causing that? As people seeing like, oh, this game's like $5. It must not be good. The developer doesn't even value it as that much. I'm not gonna you know, waste my time on buying this game. Or is it like the developer is actually knows they're making a bad game kind of thing? You know, they actually they, they value themselves appropriately. They say this game is worth five dollars. Uh, and people who do tend to do that might actually make just bad games in general or something like that. You know, people who make good games will will value because games tend to be long. That means if it's valuable, then it might be over fifteen dollars just naturally by the fact that it's long, a long-form, uh, long-form content that is valuable, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what causes it. It's kind of that's something that's definitely up for debate and interesting, but I guess that's outside the scope of uh, of this topic. Sorry. It's one more. The fifth game. They got one hundred and six points. Uh 13 positive reviews, 14 negative views, 17 total. It's called Mind Right, but Art Right is a r-i-t-e R-I-T-E. It was a visual novel. And what this whole thing has taught me is that, or at least one of the things, is that visual novels are a lot more popular on Steam than I thought they were. They definitely have an audience that I did not know existed. It's not like a crazy number of reviews, but it's like it beat out like everything else, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it got top five. And there are also other games, uh less notable games that were also visual novels that also, you know. Got some reviews. The majority of the games on the list got no reviews on the list, So most most things got zero reviews. Like a vast majority of things. Uh, actually, it may not have a vast majority. Uh, a little over half-ish looks like. But the things that did get reviews, like okay, probably the most is like one review, you know, and then a couple of two reviews. It's very, it's very, it's very uh, uncommon to see anything get best like ten. Like ten seems to be like once you get past that it seems like it just exponentially gets better, right? If you get past 10, you probably didn't get 20, you probably got 30, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all I have to say for this. Uh, Hopefully I can next time have something a bit more organized to say, uh, something a little less like scattered uh, about, like a bunch of topics crammed in. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have for now. Hopefully this bot can get a bit better, get more data, because having to manually do all of these things and looking things up for all these games is kind of tedious and kind of hard to do. So, uh, yeah, that's all.
1: I think it's an interesting concept in that, you know, like if I, if I were interested in popular music, I think it would be interesting to see if there are a way to do something somewhat similar to obviously um, the amount of music that's released is like ridiculous, you know, and also way more platforms that where one can release music, but Seems like an interesting concept like if if you could find a way to do it, you know, to get your like finger on the pulse of audiences at large. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just a lot more complicated with music stuff. Yeah, in fact, for uh, even for indie games, like you could definitely make a tool that people would probably use <laughs> for like trend analysis and stuff like that uh, based off this concept. And then even you could even make a game about games if you wanted to, which would be interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, the guy who made Steam Profit originally had a website for it. That had I I, it's down. The website you go to the link, it's broken. But uh, I actually had I used the web Wayback Machine, which lets you look at essentially pages that used to exist uh, that were saved. And so I used it to look at what the page looked said before. I was actually this is actually me trying to figure out what did he do my players metric. I was like, is there anywhere on the website say where he got this player, these play, this players data from? Uh, it does not. But uh, <laughs> uh, I also want to know why why it stopped too. But they didn't say that either as far as i Yeah, I had some tools like uh, I had a button that will show you the list of upcoming games. Um, which is something that took, you know, presumably he had to do the go through the same process I did where like he had to format the dates and stuff like that. I'm interested if he did better than me on that, if he had a better technique for figuring this stuff out, or uh, if he, you know, got the same or worse results. He had something, uh, he has something that auto calculated the, the things that received the best score for the week. Um, and that's also, you know, something I would like to use <laughs> as a, a lot better than programming myself, uh, which I guess I've been doing. But yeah, that's, that's something I would like to. Make you know available to people. As I'm programming this, I'm always you know thinking of it like, how do I make this extendable, right? Um, where I can keep building on to this thing and adding more features, adding more points of data that can be gathered, and then still making it you know relatively easy to use. That, that kind of thing can be easily analyzed by people.
1: Yeah, sounds like a cool project for sure. Well, uh yeah, that, that was awesome. Um, we will be back next week, Monday at 9:30 p.m. If you're listening post, don't forget to share if there's anything of interest to you or hit the like button. And if uh, you are so inclined, you want to get future stuff. uh, Reminder to subscribe and hit the bell as well. I think is what I was supposed to say (laughs) on YouTube. Um, Do that and uh, we'll see you uh, next week. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for watching. listening.
0: Look, tell a man no trouble. I don't want beef, man. I just want vibes. Big man like me, no need for the telephone hype. I got too much getting online. One rule, then dead them on sight. Wrong move, I bet they gon' ride. No need for the telephone hype, nah. No need for the snoozing. Big whip outside, I'm cruising. Big stick inside, no losing. Better watch out for the snake and Judas. Don't ask them who this is. I bet they know what I'm moving in. I bet I'll show it into a dim. How you and Then lose again how you hating my vibes why you wasting my time getting hype on my line tell a man I don't want feedback I just want relax brand new with tone, I need that brand new hit you know like lean back brand new bits I live in we back man you never gonna like us get them on site now let them all like that way they know I'm all righteous, look at my life I'm living all right I'm nice you know I'm all right cause looking like Christ no need for the hype or fight or telephone vibers, no need for the telephone vipers,